A couple of weeks ago, um, or, or for the last little season, we've been doing a series called, uh, called Amplified, looking at the different aspects of the Christmas story and, uh, and how, it, uh, how it amplifies God's story um, and how we can also amplify it. And uh, two weeks ago, Mark looked at this passage here from Isaiah 9-6, prophesying of Jesus coming. For us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And uh, what I'd like to do, do today and for the next couple of weeks is look at this phrase, Prince of Peace. It's the only time it appears in the Bible. Jesus is never referred to anywhere else as the Prince of Peace. This is the only reference. But this, this Prince of Peace points to a lot of things, a lot of characteristics and a lot of things that Jesus did and testified to, referring to this idea of being a prince of peace. A prince being someone who is, has authority and power over something, who, who has a title um, and is a champion for something. And in this case, Jesus is a, a champion, has power and authority over peace. So what, what does that mean? What, what does that look like to be the prince of peace? The dictionary definition of peace is freedom from disturbance, tranquility. And I'm sure a lot of parents can relate to this sort of idea of peace. The idea of peace and quiet, the chance to stop, the chance for, for things to calm down. Now, a lot of my family is here today, so I better watch what I say. But Christmas Day started fairly quietly. And as the day progressed, more and more people came to mum and dad's place. So by about seven o'clock at night, it was full of people and it was noisy and there were multiple conversations going on at once. By about 9.30, I'm guessing, this happened. <laughs> ah, peace, tranquility, freedom from disturbance. Not that it was bad to be hanging out with all those people, but it was enjoyable also to have the peace. Another definition of peace is that that relates to, to war, a state or period in which there is no war or a war has ended. And this is another sense of the word peace that we have. But in actual fact, the word peace that's being referred to in the Prince of Peace is a, is a much deeper word, a more broader word than either of these two definitions. The original word is shalom. It's a Hebrew word. And you might know the word from, from a greeting that, that Jews sometimes use. They greet each other with this word shalom. And it actually has a very broad, sometimes various different meanings. But shalom is a sense of completeness, safety or soundness, welfare, health and prosperity. Peace and quiet and tranquility that we've talked about and contentment. Friendship with humans and also friendship with God through a covenant. And also peace from war. It's a much broader sense of what peace is. It's to be restored. Replacing or providing what is needed in order to make someone or something whole and complete. So in terms of quiet, peace and quiet... That is a, a subset of, of peace, where your family is whole and complete and in harmony. 
And in, in the war situation, it's the same. Where there's conflict or, um, or, or tension or, or fighting, where that returns to a sense of peace. But if we think about peace being wholeness or completeness, we get a much better understanding of what Jesus is when he says he's, or when it was declared that he is the Prince of Peace. He says in John 10.10, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Peace. Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. So he's come and as the Prince is seeking and is saving. Saving something that uh, that needs saving and finding something that is lost, restoring wholeness and completeness to something that is broken. Now, if I was to ask a couple of people to paint a painting for me, so Darren, if I was to get you to paint a painting for me, and um, Simone, I was to get you to paint a painting for me, and I said the brief is to make it colourful. Potentially, Darren could come back with this, a colourful painting. Now, this is worth a lot of money, Darren. Good painting. (laughs) But Simone might come back with this. Equally colourful painting. This is a Renoir and that's um, Andy Warhol. They both fit the brief of colourful, but they're completely different things. So when we come to this sense of being complete or being whole, the idea of shalom, peace, we've got to know what we're talking about in terms of what being whole looks like. This is some idea of people's idea of being whole and complete. Loaded with money, sitting on the beach, lapping it up, enjoying the sunshine, having a massive mansion and people working for you. That's their idea of being whole and complete. That's the goal. That's where I'm heading. Yeah? (laughs) Well, some people, this is the idea of being complete. Bikes and cars and sleazy, uh, easy women. Uh, did I say that? Uh, um, it's, it's, an, it's a goal. That's what, they're th- that's what they're aiming for. This is what the idea of, of completeness is, wholeness. This is where they're going to. So when we come to this idea of being whole and being complete, we've got to understand what Jesus is Lord and power, has power over. What is this shalom peace that he is saying is complete? What is completeness? John 14, 27, Jesus speaking, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The peace he offers is clearly a different peace than those other last two pictures. In Romans 14, 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace, wholeness, completeness, shalom, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Today we're going to look at a number of aspects of this peace. Peace today with God. What does peace with God? What is completeness and wholeness? And what is this thing that Jesus came and fought for while he was on earth, was prophesied about him and continues to fight for today. The Prince of Peace, a kingdom that he has established and he continues to establish and grow. 
this sense of peace. What does peace with God look like? The first thing that's, uh, that's important is that there is a sense of value and significance. Sometimes in our community, in our culture, we can feel just like a social security number or another person in a massive shopping centre full of people, another car on the road that's just queuing all the way down the South Gippsland Highway to whoever knows where, where it actually stops um, heading away on holiday. You can just feel like another person in amongst a crowd. But in terms of our design, how we were created, God created us individually, personally, each with value and significance. Not because of who our parents are or who our siblings are or who our friends are or what we've achieved, because we were designed that way. He designed us to be unique and valuable and significant. And that is the wholeness and peace that he is offering. Matthew 10, 29 to 31 says, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? No, it's actually $7. I looked it up last time. But seven bucks? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. This sense of peace and wholeness that Jesus is fighting for includes the significance and value that each of us have. Now, I didn't know my mum and dad were going to be here today. What does peace with God like look like? Forgiveness and restoration. I don't think they know this story. When I was a little boy, I would have been about nine or ten, I was laying in bed in the middle of the night in a bunk bed and I was looking up at the woodwork underneath. It was just normal wood panelling under the bed above me. And I saw the outline of a fantastic looking race car in the wood, just in the wood grain. I just saw the shape of it. I thought, you know what? I'll, I'll trace around this shape that I've seen so that in the morning I can move that onto a piece of paper. So I'll pencil it in. And uh, so I went and got a pencil and I, and I outlined this shape of what I thought was a fantastic looking sport car that just in the wood. I was half asleep, so I wasn't thinking very straight. What I wasn't thinking straight about also was that I used a pen, not a pencil. So now under the bed is a pencil outline of what I thought was a really nice looking shape of a sports car. It was terrible in, uh, in the daylight. It was, I didn't even do anything with it. However, I knew I wasn't allowed to draw on the bed. That much was, I was sure about. And I thought, there's going to be a point at which I get caught. I, I don't know how long. Mum and Dad don't normally come and lay on my bed and look up at the woodwork. But at some point, I will be found out. And inside, there's just this little niggling. It wasn't all the time, but inside, there's this little niggling thing of going, Dad's going to find out. At some point, Dad's going to find out that I've drawn on the bed. We then moved house, and the bed got pulled apart. And what was hidden underneath is now just another panel getting put on the trailer, out in the open in the sunlight. And every time I looked at it, I saw this outline of this squiggle, really. It was nothing more than a squiggle that, of me drawing on the bed. I thought, I'm done for now. I'm, he's going to see now that I drew on the bed. Now, of course, he would have seen the drawing and had no idea who did it all. But at the time, I was guilty and I knew I was guilty. And I thought, oh, dear. 
that's, uh, I'm going to get found. And no one mentioned anything and, uh, and nothing ever came of it. But there was this sense of guilt or shame. And in terms of the peace that Jesus offered and the peace that he is the prince of, there is this forgiveness and restoration that he offers. And in our lives, there's always things that in our past or even now things that we continue to stumble with that make us feel like failures, make us feel like we're broken, make us feel like we don't have peace. And Jesus says he is eager to forgive. He has done everything. He's set up everything for us to have a relationship, to have that peace with God, that we might know forgiveness and restoration. We do need to respond, but he has fought the fight for us. And it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us, for our, forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Peace with God is about forgiveness and restoration. The third thing that's part of peace with God is intimacy and worship. Tanya talked last week about um, different ways that God has um, communicated that he wants to be with us. Does anyone remember what the first one was, those who are here? Walking. Walking in the garden with Adam and Eve. And it's a fantastic picture that you have of, in the cool of the night, God walking in the garden with Adam and Eve. It's what they were designed for, what they were created for. To adore him, to experience his love and to commune with him. And yet, in our culture, in our world, that's been broken. The intimacy and worship with God has been distorted and, and there's many things that we, can, that we can do that try and, uh, to fill that hole of intimacy and worship that God designed to have with him. Things that are, that are, that are sometimes cheap, sometimes really expensive, but they're cheap imitations of that intimacy and worship of God that we were designed for. And in fact, they create slaves of us. I will have peace when I'm married. I will have peace when I have a job or the next promotion. I will have peace when I pass my exams. When I have that new phone or that new camera or that new car, then I'll have peace. I'll have peace when I get a holiday. They're all great things, but they don't bring peace. The intimacy and worship in that relationship with God is where peace is found. Romans 8.15 says, The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy. It's an embracing cry. It's an adoring cry. It's a cry of relationship and intimacy. And that's what the peace that the Prince of Peace has been fighting for. 
The next thing is fruit being fruitful or with purpose. It almost sounds like a contradiction. Most people are running around like headless chooks, working really hard and got more things to do than they've got hours in the day. Like, hang on, that doesn't sound right. Peace with God is not about busyness or, or going around ticking boxes. It's, that's not what this is referring to when it talks about being fruitful or purpose. In fact, sometimes it's the opposite of being busy. It's investing in his eternal purposes, being an agent for peace, his wholeness, and producing fruit that will last. In the last couple of months, I've tried hard, sometimes successfully, sometimes failed, to have a Sabbath each week, a Saturday that during the day I don't do any work. And, uh, and that's been a real challenge. Um, but I know that when, when we look at peace, that my fruitfulness is not always just busyness. And my fruitfulness is not always um, just doing things. But, and out of that time, I've actually, there's been a lot of fruit that's happened. Relationship with my kids, time just to stop and reflect and spend time with God. Things that busyness just doesn't do. But we were designed and peace with God is fruitful and with purpose. It says in John 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so that wherever you, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. The last one that I've, uh, that I've outlined this morning is equipping and support. When it comes to buying presents, I'm incompetent. Um, I'll put my hand up for that. I, uh, I don't like it. I'm not good at it. I can go into a shopping centre needing to buy a present for someone and come out more confused and still without a present two hours later. Um, it's just something that I'm not wired very well to do. However, Tanya is brilliant at buying presents. I, I, I just tell her what sort of direction I'm going and she comes up with ideas and where you can buy it and how it can be. It all just, just happens so naturally. It's amazing. With these things that we've been talking about, value and significant, forgiveness and restoration, intimacy and worship, and being fruitful and with purpose. God doesn't have those things and then just desert us and leave us to discover them on our own. To journey towards his perfect peace, alienated. He actually walks the journey with us. The Holy Spirit is always here to equip us, to encourage us, to remind us of the truth of what real peace is and to cheer us on to that abundant life that Jesus offers. It says in John 14, And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and is in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. 
A sense of peace with God includes God in the picture. He's there constantly with us. When we look at this list of peace with God, it's a list that's very different to the wholeness that the world offers. And sometimes I think we can look at this list and go, it's a nice picture, but is it real? The challenges of my experiences or my time or my life that I live in, these are just a nice fancy ideal that, that I like on the front of the box of a, a jigsaw puzzle. I like the picture, but I'm not sure I can put this jigsaw puzzle together. I reckon I've probably lost a few pieces. I might even be a different picture. I wonder if I'm actually a different picture. I'm not, I'm not even the right pieces to get this picture together. But it's important to know that this peace is the peace that Jesus is fighting for, that he is Lord over, that he has the power to bring. So there's two questions we need to ask ourselves. We need to ask ourselves, do I think God is capable of doing this with me? I think sometimes we're our own worst enemies. We go, I don't have any value or significance. Who am I? Rubbish. You're never going to attain peace if you don't think God is capable of giving that to you. You don't think you're worth being forgiven, that you can't be restored, you're too broken. Drawing on a Drawing on the bottom of a bunk is nothing compared to the things that I've done. I don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve intimacy or worship. Sometimes we want to close ourselves off and, and protect ourselves because when I've been intimate, I've been hurt. Other people have hurt me in, in, in my intimacy, so I don't want to go there. I don't have anything to offer. What do I have to offer God? He's got everything already. And sometimes I feel alone, like I am on my own, like I don't have support. I don't have what I need. So the first thing is to recognize that these are all signs of hope. These are all things that Jesus stands for. He fights for. He represents. And as the Prince of Peace... This is the kingdom that he's building. This is the kingdom that he died on the cross for. To restore us, to give us hope, to give us peace with God. Secondly, we've got to believe that he can offer this to us. The picture isn't finished. I don't think any of us can say, yep, I know what peace with God looks like. It's a, it's a work in progress. But we've got to trust him. We've got to trust him because he offers each of these things in his peace, his wholeness, his completeness that he desires for us to experience. Just 
just going to get you to close your eyes and, and just, just think about peace. Think about the wholeness that God offers. You are of value. You are of significance. God has forgiven you and restored you. You are a new creation. He desires intimacy for us to worship him and for him to show his love to us. That we can be fruitful and have purpose that is eternal. And he's never left or forsaken us. Lord God, we just thank you for the peace that you offer. A peace that is so different to the world. A peace with you. Lord, there's days that we, we don't feel that peace. We have turmoil, we have, we have challenges that we face, Lord. And that peace feels like a distant ideal that's just nice, a nice thought. But Lord, we don't want to stay there. Lord, we want to be people that experience your peace. Experience the abundant life that you bring. Not fast cars and big houses and, and broad sunny beaches, Lord God. We want to have a peace with you that's eternal. Lord, we ask you to strengthen us, that your spirit may remind us of your truth. When we feel discouraged, when we feel overwhelmed, when we feel like things are broken, like we're broken, we ask you, Lord, just to come and remind us of your truth, of that peace that you have fought for, that you represent, that you champion, that you died for. Lord, we eagerly seek that peace. And we ask that you would do that in us.